Before the next episode of XJob Downloaded starts, I have a big favour to ask. If you've enjoyed any of our episodes so far, please can you click on the follow button on your platform. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and YouTube. It costs nothing to follow, but makes a real difference to me as a podcast producer. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, today, X Job Downloaded. We're going to be interviewing uh, Matt Telfer Maliri. Now, Matt is my cousin, so uh, I've got a bit of an insight around what he's done previously. Uh, good morning, Matt. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for coming over today, mate. It's, it's great to see you. And um, I mean, I suppose the icebreaker is, you know, tell me a little bit about Matt Maliri. Uh, well, Currently, currently, um, thank you, by the way, for inviting me here. It's great to uh, to contribute to XJob Downloaded. I haven't done many podcasts, so, uh, yeah, I really appreciate the invite to, to come here and do You're this. Welcome, um, yeah, so I, 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 I live in Essex, about half hour away from, from here. I, I work in London um, for a, a security risk consultancy. Uh, I've got a wife of, of 10 years now, uh, four wonderful kids life is life is pretty good it's been a uh, it's been a journey that's 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 for sure you know at 43 years of age i've got a, a few sort of tales to tell 43 <laughs> i know i know 43 who'd have thought it huh? jesus so uh, matt you, you you're you come from a police uh, background or you know your, your dad was in the police mm-hmm. as was my dad and my brother etc etc now as a kid, you lived in effectively police communes, didn't you? I mean, mm. lived in police housing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what was it like growing up as a, you know, as a, as a son of a police officer? Yeah, certainly for the early years, it, it was very much that. So I was born in Chelmsford uh, when dad was based there. We then moved to Harlow. Um, and then from Harlow, we went to Colchester, I think, from Colchester down to Bournemouth. This is all related to Dad's career, you know, sort of moving between between forces, obviously different assignments, yeah. etc. Um, you know, he then dabbled with the idea of going out to Canada um, to be with the, the police force out there, but that didn't work out. And then um, I think from Bournemouth, that's when we moved to Lower Kirby, Kirby Lasoken, down near near Frinton there on the coast of Essex. Um, you know, and we then settled there because he he found his position with Thorpe traffic um, division and he stayed there for the rest of his career so all those moves they kind of happened within the first five years of my life so I was born in 1979 and we moved to Lower Kirby in say 1984 1985 about then um, so yeah so I, I I have vague you know kind of recollections of all the moving about yeah. um, <clears throat> excuse me um, but really you know the, the sort of key memories are really from say being in being in Lower Kirby or certainly Kirby Cross to start with which was into a police house yeah. and then um, and then mum and dad were able to um, to buy a house in in Kirby Lasoken in the uh, in, in the family home that we had there for for the next few years and the moving about as a as a um as a kid, does have an impact on you because it's around stability of schools. Probably not so much for yourself, but <laughs> for your your um, brother and your sister. And it does, it, you know, it has an impact. And of course, without going into the finer details, your parents 
they split up, didn't they? So that had that has an impact on you as well. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously wasn't privy to the conversations between no. mum and dad when uh, when they were moving house. I'm pretty sure that at, at some point, though, my mum would have said, "Look." Let's just bloody settle somewhere, yeah. please. You know, geez, we'll be moving about. You know, let's 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 settle somewhere and and establish ourselves instead of jumping from sort of one one town or one county to another. So, um, yeah, I mean, we um, we were living in Lower Kirby. Um, you know, dad dad was in the the police. Um, you know, we were. You know, we were never affluent as a family, but we certainly weren't, you know, sort of poverty stricken. You know, my my memory certainly, you know, sort of mid to late eighties is that you know we we never really splashed out on loads, but I was never really wanting for anything. No. And you know, we, there was always food on the table, there's always clothes on our back. We always went to to school. You know, we were, you know, a, a, a decent a decent family, a proper family. You know, however you want to put it. Um, but then, yeah, as you refer to, um, you know, towards the the late eighties, I think it was, yeah, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, my parents separated, um, and as I say, even even then, I was ten at the time. Uh, I probably didn't give it as much credit as it deserved at the time. It, it didn't really seem too impactful upon me. I knew that people were were upset. I knew that there was obviously this 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 void from from home because mum was no longer there. But I'd, I'd say that the impact was probably greater on my older siblings. So Catherine, she's seven years older than me. And then Simon, he's five years older than me. So they'd have been, you know, sort of 15, 17, respectively. And I would imagine at the time it had more impact on them than it did on me as a 10-year-old at primary school. I mean, I was aware that, um, you know, I, I didn't see mum on a daily basis anymore. I'd kind of see her at weekends or whatever. I knew that, that dad had his his struggles, although in, in you know, in, in honesty, I, I think he hid them pretty well from, from me, obviously yeah. conscious of my age and stuff and the impact it could have on me, I suppose, having my best interests at heart. Um, yeah, I also knew that there weren't other parents of my my schoolmates that were splitting up either. So that was a little bit weird. Um, you know, yeah, that, that, that certainly kind of didn't necessarily single me out, but it was it was only me that had parents that were that were splitting up. So I suppose it did have an effect. Um but as I say, probably not as much on me as um as 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 Catherine and Simon. And from then I th- I think we just kind of got used to it, or certainly I got used to it, and just kind of carried on going to school. Obviously, you know, the following year, I went from um, from primary school into secondary school. I said my my group of mates. I kind of got into a routine where Dad was obviously shift work. You know, all of his career in the in the police. So I'd kind of see him fleetingly. You know, kind of on occasion. Sometimes he'd be there in the evenings. Sometimes he'd be there in the mornings, etc. So um, yeah, that was a that was a a, a kind of fleeting relationship. I'd see my mum at the weekends and any other time that I I I, I could do um, during the week. Obviously, she was she was working herself as well. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of carried on, and as I say, that's where kind of I suppose the impact on on Catherine and Simon was probably greater because they were that much older. Obviously, Catherine was going into work. Um, Simon, you know, after a, after a couple of years in 1991, he joined the Royal Navy. Okay. Um, so he then kind of left the scene as well, and I only saw him on you know sort of rare occasions. So I suppose I just kind of found found my sort of niche, you know, sort of school Monday to Friday evenings, kind of doing what I wanted. Saturdays typically with with my mum. Sundays kind of doing what I wanted with my mates, and that was just kind of the 
kind of the routine, I just suppose. Move, just move through it. So, yeah. so you, your brother then joins the Royal Navy. Okay. And I know that you've always been into, you know, the military and it's, it's always been a dream of yours. But explain to us what the motivation was for you to then go on and join the military yourself. Yeah, and I, I've got to say, I mean, I had I had some early influences, which I'll touch upon in a moment. But, you know, while we're on the topic of, of Simon joining the Royal Navy, um, he was he was. Not necessarily key in that, but he he was important because when you when you think of it, in that that age bracket that I was in, that kind of you know early teens kind of period, you mm-hmm. know, sort of twelve, thirteen, uh, fourteen, this was in the early stage of his Royal Navy career, and he'd be coming home on his leave periods. I mean, you know, we wouldn't see him for months, but then he'd come home on his leave periods, and you know, he'd, he'd always have money. He'd always be dressed in nice clothes, you know, sort of designer gear and stuff. He'd be, you know, going out and enjoying himself. He'd generally always have a girlfriend, you know, an attractive girlfriend and stuff. So kind of from a, I suppose, from an impressionable young lad's kind of viewpoint, it would be like, well, you know, this is a, this looks like a pretty decent way of life, you know, and, and he'd kind of tell me tell me stories of some of the things that he'd been up to as well, you know, we'd, we'd kind of have, have conversations or, you know, sort of family chats and stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was you know, quite exciting. But if we go back to my sort of earliest influences, um, it would be going back to 1982 and the Falklands. So I was three at the time and been born in 1979. And, and, you know, we all have these you know, sort of vague memories of the early stages of our childhood. And, and I have very vague memories um, of of seeing on the telly. And, of course, the Falklands was, was quite well televised, probably more so than any conflicts that the UK had been in um, beforehand. You know, the reporting on it was, was quite significant. So we were all exposed to it from our TV sets. And I I vaguely remember seeing the guys with the green hats, the big rucksacks, the rifles, you know, sort of marching down the track, um, and ultimately, you know, liberating liberating Port Stanley as it as it was in the in the Falklands War, and of course those guys with the green hats with the Royal Marines. So that was a, an early influence, but I don't think it. It, I don't think it really drove me. I, I always liked the idea of, of joining the military, but it wasn't like, a, right, this is bang, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and everything that I'm going to do now from three years of age onwards or whatever, um, you know, wasn't gearing towards that. But I knew military was probably going to play a part. And then, as I say, going forward to 90, 91 onwards with, with Simon having joined the Royal Navy, I suppose that kind of cemented it. You know, I didn't have a huge amount of direction, as you probably guessed in, you know, sort of growing up. It was quite a quite a fragmented kind of existence I suppose with um you know obviously dad in the police and 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 um you know seeing mum at the weekends and stuff it was quite fragmented so um you know there wasn't a huge amount of direction but certainly military was always there it was always an option I suppose something that I was erring towards and uh, yeah as I say Simon's Simon's involvement in that and the you know him coming back and stuff on on, on leave with, with money and nice clothes and tales to tell was um, you know it was, it was appealing to me and, and of course our grandfather was a, a member of the Royal Artillery mm. um, joined up early went out did North Africa did Italy and then after the, the Second World War um, 
he came out of the military and then rejoined and got captured in Korea. So, yeah. that, you know, and, and my dad was in the army. So it does have a, you know, those sorts of influences and the stories that they did or didn't tell, you know, it does have, have an impact. So you've gone through your schooling. Um, you're now at Gunfleet, I assume. Was it Gunfleet? At- uh, it was Gunfleet, yeah. Well, Tendrin, Tendrin, High, Tendrin High, as it was, yeah. was was known now and was known back then, yeah. So I was at um, at Tendrin High School, obviously the junior section in Thorpe, right next to, to the yeah, police station, station where Dad yeah. was working, of course, and then the senior section, so the uh, the fourth and the fifth year, as it as it was known then, yeah, that was at... Um, uh, at Frinton, at, at the Triangle there, yeah. yeah. So we were still living close by. I mean, by this stage in, in my... In the senior years of school, so as I say, the sort of fourth year, fifth year, um, as it was then, I was by this stage living with um, mum and my my stepfather Duncan, who she'd obviously gone on to to, to marry after after separating from dad, um, and then my little sister Sophie. So Sophie had been born in nineteen ninety three, so right. sort of fourteen year gap between me and her, um, and mum Duncan and Sophie had had set up home again in, in Lower Kirby still, because that's where, where where Duncan owned his pub. Um and I'd moved in with him by this time. You know, there, there, there was a lot of a lot of moving about, you know, yeah. as as, as yeah. you can gather. But but by this stage I was I was living in, in Lower Kirby with, with Mum Duncan so and you, Sophie. You, yeah. You've left school. Yeah. Um what was the process that you went through to go into the military? What did how did that all work for you? Well as I say, it was it was always there on the back of my mind about a, a career in the military. Um and this was, I suppose, um you know, driven further by there not being a huge amount of opportunities in the kind of Frinton, Walton, Clacton area. There wasn't a huge amount going on. Um I knew that the military was something that I I I wanted to do and that it was an option. I knew that it was a good lifestyle because of the, the, the circumstances with Simon, of course. So I, I left mainstream school and went into uh, college or sixth form um, at, at Tendrin High as well, studying art. But after a, after a sort of few months, I thought, you know, I'm just not sure this is for me, really. I kind of really only did it because, sort of, you know, a couple of mates were doing it as well. So I thought, well, I'll give, you know, I'll give I'll give the military a go. You know, I've, I've you know, Royal Marines, I've, you know, I want to give that a try. So I'll go down to the careers officer, kind of set my sights on it. And, and went down there rather embarrassingly now looking back it, but the first time that I went to Chelmsford Careers Office expecting it to be a, a bit of a walk in the park, expecting them to welcome me with open arms and say, yeah, come on, come in and join our, um, come in and, and, and join the UK military. And, and I soon had that rug, you know, sort of swiftly pulled from under me because I, I hadn't prepared myself at all, really, for it. Uh, I've done a little bit of reading up, but certainly not the amount that I should have done. And the um, the guy behind the desk, you know, effectively told me, you know, you're not joining the military. You're not joining the UK military as you are currently. You need to go away. You need to, you know, confirm within yourself that this is definitely something that you want to do, that you're committed to it. Come back in six months and, you know, if you do still want to do it in six months, then come back and we'll have another conversation then. So how did that make you feel? I mean, bear in mind all the things that you've gone through as a as a child, you know, the, all the different things, moving, separations, living with stepfathers and, you know, so and so. All of a sudden you've got a, a rejection that, mm. you know, it's quite hard to come to terms with. How did you feel? 
Well, I was, I was, I was gutted. You know, clearly, I was, I was, I was gutted. And I mean, I'd gone in there with the Royal Marines in mind because they were the the early influence, and I knew that you know they were they were the elite. Um, you know, you'll and, get some paras that will be throwing things at the uh, the radio now. I'm sure they will be. I'm sure they will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, and of course, you know, and I, I, you know, I've, I've worked with the paras, and yeah, if there are any throwing things at the radio at the moment, don't don't worry. I've got some good feedback for you coming. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was the it was the Royal Marines that were that was um, you know this kind of appeal to me. Um, but yeah, this this rejection it was it was hard to take, um, you know. And I went back, and I, I guess I went to went into a bit of a sulk for a while about it. But it's interesting, you know. It, all 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 feedback, all you know these 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 lessons are, are good to learn from. And what it did did teach me is, you know, sort of preparation is key. You know, the six P's. You know, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. So. I kind of went away. I, uh, you know, I kind of licked my wounds and thought, you know, I, I do want to do this. I really do want to do this. So let's start preparing better for it. But also, and this, this is this isn't meant to be derogatory towards the Royal Navy. Far, far from it. But I, I lowered my expectations as well, as opposed to going into the Royal Marines straight from from Civvy Street, straight from school, as it were. I had conversations with my my brother about the Royal Navy and thought, you know, if if, if I really want to get into the military, you know, I, I want to give myself the best chance of success. And there's more chance of me getting into the military by joining the Royal Navy than there would be the Royal Marines. Um, so that's 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 what I settled on. I did all my 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 research and my preparation around the Royal Navy. I've had further conversations with um, you know with Simon about it. And then six months later, after that six months had passed, I went back into the careers office, feeling a lot better as well. You know, I tidied myself up, um, you know, because I was your typical, you know, sort of greasy teenager, you know, scruffy little toad when I when I went originally. But six months later, you know, I went, you know, I was, I was sort of dressed in a, in a in a suit. I, you know, brushed my hair. I, you know, I got myself hair. well prepared. I know hair, hair. hard to hard to believe looking at us now. <laughs> yeah, hair in the Maleri family, whatever next. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I went back after that six months and immediately felt better and more confident about it. I actually spoke to the same guy and he could tell that I'd gone away and done some preparation. I'd taken his words on board and had shown a level of commitment and, and managed to get through that, um, you know, that initial interview stage. So I was then offered a start date to go down to HMS Rally down in, in Tor Point in Cornwall to start my training. And this would now be, what would it be? It would be 1996, so summer of 1996. So when you went through the um, interview process or yeah. did you have to do a, a test at the recruitment centre? Oh, I'm trying to think back. I suppose it was... Not so much a test, more more an assessment kind of through interview. Sure. You know, they'd, they'd obviously gauge from their questions to you, your responses, how committed you were, what you'd learned about the Royal Navy, what you knew about the Royal Navy. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a kind of sit down and have to write out, okay. you know, sort of questions or, or whatever, but it was a kind of a, a Q&A and sort of And when did they tell you that you'd passed and you'd been accepted? God, you know, I'm not... 
I have a feeling it was there and then. Oh, really? I oh, think okay. so. Yeah, I think so. I may be, I may be mistaken. I'm sort of trying to remember uh, back. But and I, were I you on your own, or did you go with it? I was on that occasion. I was on my own. Yeah. So yeah, I no went. one to tell, no mobile phones to text you. No, no, absolutely not. Not in 1996. No, but I, I do remember, and this is what makes me think that it was an immediate yes or no about getting in because I I, I do remember travelling back from Chelmsford to to Frinton feeling pretty pleased with myself. Yeah, big smile on your face. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember, again, you know, sort of what the the period was between that that good news and me starting down at HMS Rally, but I don't remember it being very long. I don't think it was very long at all, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of months or something. So you're 17 at this point? Yes, seventeen. Just, yeah, just seventeen. So your folks put you on the train at Frinton, and you're off to Portsmouth, Plymouth, Plymouth. Yeah, Sorry, down down Plymouth. to Plymouth. Yeah, so you kind of get off the train at Plymouth train station, and um, yeah, you know, there's a there's a big board there saying you know for for HMS Rally, sort of follow these signs, and you know this was new to me, you know, because growing up in in Frinton, certainly Lower Kirby. Um, you know, a day out in Colchester is quite a thing. <laughs> um, you know, for 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 a young wet behind the ears kid as as I was, you know, that was a big thing. You know, so getting on the getting on the train and going to Chelmsford to the careers office, bearing in mind the first time I went, you know, my dad had taken me, which probably didn't help me in the slightest. Of course, having my flipping dad there in the careers office, no wonder they flipping told me to come back in six months. Yeah, and by the way, mate, come back without your dad. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, but it was a big thing, you know, sort of going to Chelmsford and stuff. You know, and now now I'm kind of getting on the train at Frinton. I'm sort of going in via London on the train from Paddington down to Penzance, getting off at Plymouth and kind of seeing this sign, you know, sort of coherent. You, you get met by this um, this this leading hand, I think it was, or, or, or a petty officer, Royal Navy, and then you get put on the bus and, and driven from the train station over the Tamar River um, over to uh, over to rally, and of course, at this point, you know, you're then starting to meet some of the other lads and lasses that are going to be joining up with you at the same time. So it was, um, you know, and I, and I, you know, when I get nervous as well, I, I typically would start kind of talking and trying to make a joke about the situation and stuff. So, you know, trying to settle my own nerves, trying to settle the nerves of people around me as well. But I do remember it being a real sort of nerve-wracking time. And I'm sure it's the same, you know, with the, the police, I dare say, other areas of Ish. the military, certainly. Yeah. But, um, you know, going there, young kid, um, suddenly surrounded by, you know, all these military people, Um you know, and you start striking up, you know, sort of friendships, you know, with all the other lads and lasses that are there as well, because they're all in the same boat, of course. So you're trying to, you know, sort of build those relationships, build those bonds, get through day to day. But I, I found it tough. I found it tough, you know, and it was, I suppose, recognition of, of it being a good decision to go for the Royal Navy as opposed to the Royal Marines at that stage, because um, I'd have... I, I arguably wouldn't have made it very far in Royal Marines recruit training at that stage because I found the training for the Royal Navy to be tough enough. Um, but you know, we got through. We got through. As I say, you know, we 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 got through. It's uh, the eight weeks training, the the, the basic training, and uh, and then you go on to your phase two training. And I'd joined up to become a steward, part of the logistics department. That's what Simon was was doing. Um, I had not necessarily experience in, in, in being a steward, but, you know, sort of things like, you know, 
sort of working in my stepdad's pub and stuff. You know, there was just a couple of things that kind of crossed over. Um which I could use going into sort of phase two training, you know, sort of working behind a bar, you know, sort of waiting on people, stuff like that. Um, so that kind of kind of helped and aligned with that. I didn't have too many qualifications coming out of school either. And this isn't meant, again, sort of derogatory towards the logistics branch at all, um, because stewards, chefs, stores, accountants, etc. you know, they all play a pivotal role in, in, in the military. Um but I didn't have too many options available to me. Um, you know, I certainly couldn't join up as as an officer because I didn't have the, the GCSEs or the A-levels or anything. Um, and I couldn't go into any sort of technical level sort of role because I didn't have those qualifications for that either. So right. I was, I was, I was, you know, limited in my options, but I, you know, I still considered it a good option. You know, Simon certainly yeah, enjoyed absolutely. it. He was making a good career for himself. Um, so I went in into that and, and, it, it was interesting going into phase two training, the opportunities that present themselves. Because I'd literally been there, what would it have been, maybe sort of two weeks into the phase two training. So about 10, 11 weeks into my military career at that time from from arriving at, at, at rally, um, you know, those, those sort of 10, 11 weeks prior. And there was to be a big Trafalgar night dinner over in Washington, D.C., at the, okay. at the Commandant General of the U.S. Marines, his, his base in, in Washington, D.C. And whereabouts in Washington is that, do you know? Right down by the bloody White House. Uh, oh, right, okay. Yeah, right there in the centre. So, so we were staying, well, I'll kind of step back a, a moment, but, yeah, so they were looking for, because there was going to be a, a, a significant presence from the Royal Navy as well, you know, and we're looking at flag rank here, you know, all the admirals and stuff. They wanted Royal Naval personnel to be there doing the service. Oh wow! Um, and I mean, what a great opportunity! Bear in mind, I was only very early into my into my training. I was given this opportunity to travel out there with a couple of other guys in my in my my training course as well. So we were um, we were picked from the group. We were sent to, to Heathrow and sort of ushered through the airport, you know, to get on this BA flight, travelling business class over to Washington, D.C. It was like, you know, Very bloody cool. hell, fantastic. You know, I'd only been on one plane previously going to Spain back in 1988 or 89. So kind of getting, oh, no, no, I tell a lie, I'd been on other holidays. But, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly yeah. never travelled business class. Um so I was like, Jesus, you know, this is fantastic. I'm kind of 10 weeks into into my career and already I'm being put on a plane and sent over to Washington, D.C. So what a fantastic opportunity it was. Um, and it was interesting while we were there. So we were staying in a hotel in Georgetown. Um, we had a couple of days either side of the event to do some sightseeing as well. Obviously, I was only, say, 17 at the time, so I couldn't drink alcohol or anything. I was just kind of taking in... Taking in Washington, you, you know, still struggle with that, don't you? Drinking alcohol, <laughs> yeah, 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 it struggles with me. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great trip, but it was interesting. And going back to those early influences, you know, at this stage, I still had this this desire to want to become a a, a Royal Marine. I knew that being in the Royal Navy would help me. The Royal Marines are obviously part of the Royal Navy. Um, if I wanted to transfer to the Royal Marines, I knew that there would be the opportunity for me to do so. And this trip kind of helped that as well. Because we were on a US Marines base, we were doing quite a lot of engagement with US Marines as well. 
And inevitably, there would be conversation about the, the British Royal Marines, the Royal Marines commando, and of course, already had this 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 kind of desire to, to to join them, and that was strengthened by some of these conversations I was having, where these U.S. Marines, you know, they were the way they were speaking, they were kind of worshiping the ground that Royal Marines, you know, step on, and 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 to me, it was like, you know, this was really kind of cementing it, you know. You know the Royal Marines. You know they're they're held in such high regard. Absolutely. Um, obviously, they're you know one of Britain's elite fighting forces, and it was you know really strengthening this 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 desire. So um, you know, I didn't I didn't want to allow it to affect my, my my day job. You know, I was still very much enjoying being in the Royal Navy, but this 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 little nugget in the back of my head that was saying Royal Marines, Royal Marines, Royal Marines. You know, it was starting to grow. Um. So anyway, yeah. So we got back from from DC. Um, I, I, I finished off my training. I went to my first um, shore base, um, which is down in, in in Devonport, HMS Drake. And you kind of use that time to kind of put into place and put into practice everything that you've been taught. So I spent you know a good um, a good few months there. Um, you know, as a as a as an able rating. You know, as a as a sort of legitimate, if you like, sort of member of the Royal Navy, no longer in training. Um, and it was good. You know. Sort Built some 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 good friendships and good relationships. Kind of perfected my art, as it were. Um, you then do further training in things like um, you know, sort of firefighting and ship survival, that type of thing, before getting on board your first ship, before being drafted onto your first ship. So, okay. I was drafted onto HMS Invincible. Which was the, I think it was the UK's um, flagship at the time. So you know, it was getting the nice, the nice trips yeah. as well. So um, yeah, I, I I joined there, and I mean that was a, an eye opener to me. Bearing in mind that actually by by today's standards, you know, sixty thousand ton aircraft carriers that we've got now, you know, HMS Invincible, the Invincible class carriers are only sort of twenty thousand tons. But even that, that size, driving up to it in a taxi, because I kind of got to Portsmouth with all my bags, all my kit, um, jumped into a taxi and got got taken to the to the ship. And I remember kind of driving up alongside it to the to the to the to the gangway and just thinking, Blimey. how the hell am I going to find my way around this thing? You know, Jesus, I think it was a Saturday, I think. And I'm just like, I'm going to have a night. I'm never, you know, I'm never going to find my way around this. I mean, it's bloody enormous. And yet, you know, by today's, you know, by comparison to today's carriers, you know, it's actually quite, quite smaller, only 20,000. Um, but yeah, I, I, I joined there and, you know, it's completely different. And I suppose I can liken it, I suppose, to, 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 to a boarding school, I suppose, you know, you sort of get put into your, into your, into your mess deck, your kind of accommodation block. You're with people in the same types of role as what you're, doing um you know and you build this real bond amongst you know the, the the people that you share your accommodation with you know a real strong friendship because you know ultimately you're all there to make sure that you know the ship can carry on doing what, yeah. it, what it what it needs to do you know and um you know i was i was clearly very nervous at this time we went off on our first deployment and i'm trying to think where it was i think we went down to we went down to Spain. We spent some time down in um, in Cadiz, and then we went over the Atlantic, over to the east coast of America, and did some exercises and sea trials with uh, with the US Navy. So it's good. So I'll, I'll come back to that. But so you you've gone to Cadiz, mm-hmm. which is where in eighteen oh eighteen oh five. That's where the Battle of Trafalgar took yeah, place. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what was that like? You, you're you've got Trafalgar. Did you sail through there? I mean, as a, as a Royal mm. Naval. I remember the Royal Navy. That's the most iconic battlefield mm. in naval history. How did that make you 
Did you did was there any consequence? Did you feel that there was anything there, or was it just another part of the med? No, not at all. I mean, we went there purposefully because it say it was around about that time. Yeah, oh, okay. well, it was certainly a few weeks, few weeks later, maybe a couple of months later, whatever it was after that sort of Trafalgar night dinner that I was saying about. So there was some, <clears throat> you know, there was reason for us going there. You know, looking back at, at eighteen oh five and the Battle of Trafalgar. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm you know so so proud as I know. Probably everyone listening to your to your podcast, you know, so proud of the military history of of the UK. Certainly, the Royal Navy. Certainly, going back to to, to to Nelson and the other great admirals, you know, and it really struck a chord with me being in that area, sailing through that area, knowing that you know, sort of nearly two hundred years ago at, at that point, you know, we were in nineteen ninety seven, you know, nearly sort of two hundred years ago, this amazing battle took place that really established us as, you know. The, yeah. the, the greatest fighting force that you know the world had ever known at that time, if you like, um, rule Britannia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was you know it was awe inspiring. You know, inspirational stuff. Um, so you know, and again, don't don't get me wrong. You know, I was really proud of my time, and I remain really proud of my time in in the Royal Navy. Um, I just always had this 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 desire for for the Royal Marines as as well. Um, so you've gone over. Sorry, I'll, I'll cut in there. So you've gone over to the states, and you've done a bit. In the states, at what point do you start then looking to move across to the Royal Marines? How does that all work for you? Yeah, so as I say, it was always it was always there in the back of my mind about joining, and it and it was it was quite interesting. So we had other guys in our um, in our mess deck in our accommodation block. Um, there were there were four of them, four guys, and and I can't remember their names for the life of me, but they were you know really the, we used to nickname them the bosuns. Um, they were the real fit guys, you know, the sort of meatheads, if you like, sort of want of a better term. You know, they'd always be in the gym, they'd always be doing the circuits, etc. Um, and one of the guys I worked with with very closely was another steward, but he was looking at transferring over to the Royal Marines at that time. So I almost used him as as an inspiration. I had conversations with him, you know, why was he doing it? I was, you know, speaking to him about my own aspirations to do the same. And I suppose we encouraged one another. Um, and I say it was around that time. I was, I, say, I was really enjoying my time in in the Royal Navy. You know, and I think by this time, you know, we'd gone down into the Med as well. We'd done some time actually on operations as well because sort of ninety eight. Um, the British and the US had uh, started sending bombing sorties into Baghdad because it was it was starting to get a little bit messy there. So Operation Bolton, etc. So you know we were going on operations, and it was just this little feeling in my in my head. You know, this is operations. This is the exciting stuff. You know, but I'm on board a ship, and again, this isn't derogatory towards the Royal Navy at all. But I was. You know, with operations, you know, if I was going to be on operations, I sort of wanted to be the guys on the ground. I wanted to be the sort of boots on the ground. So that was kind of strengthening this this desire to want to transfer to the Royal Marines as well. So yeah, I was having these conversations with um, with this with this guy about it, um, and it came to the point. I just said, you know what, I, I, you know, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. If I, if I don't do it now, I I never will. And I really do want to become a Royal Marine. So I put in my transfer request to my divisional officer, my sort of line manager. Um, and he was a little bit disappointed about it because I think he saw some potential in me in, in, in the logistics branch, but you know, he, he, he respected my, my wishes. He signed off on it. And from, from then, I suppose once it was signed off and I knew that I was definitely going to be, becoming a, a Royal Marine or at least attempting to become a Royal Marine. That's what really flicked 
the switch. Okay. And it, that's when it became really serious for me. And these four guys, including the guy that I was working with, um, you know, they were really, really fit, you know, really strong. You know, they were always down the gym, always doing circuits and stuff. And I just, I just knew that I had to not only get as fit as them, but I had to get fitter. You know, and again, going back to the, to the situation at the careers office where clearly I hadn't prepared the first time I went there and it had come back and bitten me on the backside. I thought I've got to prepare. I've got to do all that I can to get as fit as possible you know because yeah. i'm going to be doing the potential recruits course which is three days down at limpston down at the commando training center royal marines you do this three-day potential recruits course where they then determine yes you can you can then start full training or no you know you, you haven't got the potential for it and you go back and and uh you know try try again later so i thought yeah. first hurdle potential recruits course i've got to get myself as as fit as possible for that um and i had the the, the date for it so I literally spent, you know, when I wasn't working, when I wasn't in in the wardroom or doing what I was doing in my work life, I was, you know, I was down the gym. I was doing the circuits two, three times a day. I was putting weight on my back and running around the flight deck. I was doing absolutely everything I could to, you know, be be the best possible version of me i had all of the tools at my disposal you know we had all the stuff on board ship to enable you to 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 get fit and to stay fit um and the these four guys in the mess deck were the kind of the inspiration you know i want to get fitter than them and as i started getting fitter and my endurance was building and i said you know my body shape was changing so i've never been so fit um you know, I sort of found myself getting more and more competitive to the point I was like, you know, I'm not just going to get fitter than these four guys. I'm going to get fitter than everyone on board this this ship. You know, we've got physical training instructors on board. We've got, you know, lots of other guys that, that you know, sort of try to keep themselves very, very fit. I am going to become the fittest person on board this ship because then I know I will be as well prepared as You'd I can be, be for this for this potential. And of course, course, every every uh, Royal Naval vessel has a detachment of Royal Marines. So, would you were there Royal Marines on Invincible? At that they time? weren't. No, oh, they weren't. weren't. No, not on board Invincible. No, so we didn't have any any on oh, board okay. at all. No, no. Um, but I suppose you know, even though they weren't on board. I suppose with with me and certainly the other guy as well that I was saying about that was transferring over to the Royal Marines as well. He he went off. He he did the potential recruits course. He was successful with that. He then started full training for the Royal Marines, um, but he 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 didn't make it. He came back, right, okay. you know, and he considered himself to be in some disgrace at, at having failed. You know, he considered it personally to be a disgrace on his part that he'd failed. But Obviously, it's not a disgrace. No, at all, no, is absolutely it? not. I say that you know to the rest of us, it was like you know, geez, you gave it your. Best Don't shot, best, yeah. you know. You've still got the full navy. I mean, geez, you've still got a great career ahead of you. And if it you was know. that easy, everybody would have. Would absolutely, do it, absolutely, yeah. So, um, so he came back. Um, obviously, I was transferring, and although we're sort of twelve hundred strong on board a carrier, you know, you still know one another's business. Yeah, and and I wouldn't term it as sort of celebrity status or anything like that, but. People knew that I was becoming a Royal Marine. The Royal Navy, although they will sometimes struggle to admit it, they hold the Royal Marines in very high regard. So, you know, I was... It sounds stupid, you know. I was known, you know. It sounds yeah, yeah. stupid. No, but people knew I was transferring. So there's a lot of conversation. You know, if I'd, I'd be going to, you know, sort of meal times or wherever, and it'd be like, oh yeah, you're you're, you're transferring to the Marines, aren't you? And, and all this sort of business, and and you know, I'd be going to the circuits, and and where previously I'd I'd be struggling because I didn't have this sort of level of fitness, um, you know. Previously, you know, I would be 
knocking it out the park you know we'd be doing fitness tests and i would be consistently the highest achiever we'd be doing rowing competitions on the flight deck and i'd be smashing that out of the park but you know we'd be doing the bleep tests and i'd be you know sort of running the ptis into the ground they'd be kind of dropping off at the 11s and 12s i'd be staying on to the sort of 13s 14s 15s levels of kind of olympic athlete kind of level you know so I was kind of building up this this status on board ship, if you like, you know, being this kind of super fit guy that was really, really intent on joining the uh, the Royal Marines. So, um, yeah, so I got myself to this this great level of preparation. I went off to the potential recruits course um, and and passed that. Came back to ship and then awaited my my dates to join the to join the Royal Marines proper to go down and start the the thirty two weeks training. And it's it's funny at this time, you know, even though me and Simon were in the Royal Navy at the same time, we didn't see one another that often, um, you know, because he'd be off on his ships and and, and deployments, so I'd be on on mine. We'd occasionally bump into one another in Portsmouth or we'd occasionally go on the same period of leave and we'd kind of go home and spend time with family over Christmas or whatever the case may be. Um, and he'd, by that stage, he'd been shown an interest in joining the Royal Marines as well. I, I think his motivators for it were a bit different to mine. I think he wanted to, you know, maybe sort of prove to himself that he could do it. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I think with me, there was a, I had a bit more desire. I'd kind of always had it in the back of my mind, yeah. if you like, you know, as I sort of touched upon earlier. So I think our motivators for joining it were slightly different or for joining the Royal Marines were slightly different. Um, but as it was, we were doing the same kinds of things at the same time. So he'd done his potential recruits course a few weeks before mine. He'd done very well on that. I then did my potential recruits course. I did very well on mine. And we then found ourselves being given the same date to join the, the Royal Marines. That's cruel. It is, but I can kind of understand. I, you know, I'm sure it was. I'm sure there was a. There must have been a level well, of engineering. The name, the name by, by the hierarchy. There, there aren't many people called Malir. No, full stop. And so the hierarchy, the, whoever made the decision, yeah, that was probably a cruel thing to do. But anyway, yeah. But I mean, we 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 saw it as actually quite a good opportunity because we yeah. were always, you know, within ourselves, you know, we were always very competitive with with one another. Obviously, Simon had always had the the sort of age benefits you know obviously being five years older five years you know sort of stronger fitter but now uh kind of where we were 1999 so i was 20 he was what would he have been by then he'd have been 25 of course um you know so we're on a bit more of an even keel so actually we saw it as quite a good opportunity we're sort of being pitted against one another like yeah healthy competition so uh it's interesting when you trans even though you're transferring it sounds like you don't have to do all the hard work when you're transferring from the royal navy to the royal marines you do we actually had to leave the royal navy and hand our id cards in at the start of april spend four weeks not doing much to be honest with you before then joining the royal marines together on wow. May the third so i um simon was in a relationship with his now wife with with sue by this stage and he was um living with her in portsmouth and I really saw that as as a, as a great opportunity for us both, really, to keep yeah. our, keep ourselves in the game, yeah, of course. you know, and not allow those four weeks to you know sort of lead to you know if 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 I was at home, for example, you know, just bloody going to the pub or whatever the case may yeah. be. So um, yeah, so I I stayed with with Simon and Sue um for that for that four week period and you know Simon and I would continue doing our training, we'd buy all the relevant kit and stuff, and um, and then we were 
we were ready to go on on May the third. So we travelled from Portsmouth together to Exeter and then down to um, to to, to Limpston to the Commando Training Centre Royal Marines. And it's it's funny. I'll kind of come on to a little bit more detail in a minute. But even at that stage, on that morning of May the third, bear in mind at that stage, I you know I'd, I'd had I'd had relationships, I'd had girlfriends, but they were all very casual. I didn't have a girlfriend at that time. No. My focus was purely Royal Marines, becoming yeah. a Royal Marine. Simon had been in a relationship with Sue for, I don't know, I don't think it had been as long as a year, but certainly certainly touching upon that, maybe about a year, something like that, maybe a little bit less. But even on that morning of May the 3rd, I could, I could just sort of tell within him that, you know, maybe the... Maybe his appetite for joining the Royal Marines wasn't quite as 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 strong. Does he know this? Because he's going to hear this at some yeah, point. Yeah, I, th- I think he. I think he must do. I think you know, if if he listens to it, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm sure he would kind of look back and say exactly the same. And yeah. certainly, you know, sort of as, as we go through training and stuff that I'm going to elaborate on in a moment, it will become a little bit more apparent. But it was just that kind of. You know, I didn't have any anything to worry about. I didn't have a relationship. You know, I was just committed to to doing the Royal Marines. And of course, if you want to join something like that, if you're committing yourself to 32 weeks training and it's going to be bloody hard training, that's probably the best place you can be, you know, without any outside influences or anything. I think with Simon, he had Sue to think about who he was. He was clearly, you know, in a very loving relationship with. So I think even at that early stage, he, he, he probably you know, was 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 wrestling maybe with his emotions a little bit. You know, I've got Sue in Portsmouth. I'm joining the Royal Marines. I may not be based in Portsmouth very often, etc. So maybe there's little things. Um, but yeah, but that 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 kind of soon played second fiddle because you go down to Limpston and then you're immediately kind of immersed in the, the the Royal Marines way of life. You know, and it was interesting. You know, I was kind of three years into the Royal Navy at this time, so recruit training that type of environment was already a little bit. You know, it was quite alien to me by that stage. And of course, Simon he hadn't been in recruit training for eight years. He'd been, you know, he yeah. joined in 1991, so it was probably even more alien for him. But we soon got into it, and you kind of get into your routine. You know, your sort of meal time you're doing your kit you know you're, you're living in the, the dorm again and I suppose beneficial to us both having been in the military even though the sort of recruit training was was a little bit alien to us at, at, at that time given the years that had passed you know it, it you know we still got into it you know we knew what we needed to do whereas of course we were surrounded by young guys who had never been there, you know, some guys that were, you know, the kind of 16, 17 year olds, you know, that, yeah. that, that I'd been, um, you know, and some of them were, were really lost, um, you know, and you, you, you always hear the towels, you know, the kids, you know, sort of crying into their bloody pillows the first night of recruit training because they've suddenly come to the realisation, Jesus, this is this is real, you know, yeah. and do I really want to do this or that not? Man, so, that horrible man shouting at me. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, those first couple of weeks, you really kind of whittle out a lot of, of people, you know, that the commitment is really tested. Um, so we started out with 56, but those numbers started dwindling pretty, pretty quickly, um, you know, with, with a couple of people leaving leaving each week. Um, and it was either because, you know, they just didn't want it or because they, they were failing things. Um, you know, they weren't doing well on, you know, their, their kind of exercises out in the field. They weren't doing well with their fitness. They weren't, you know, just weren't achieving just the, 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 the requirement. Yeah. Um, whereas for Simon and me, you know, we were we were doing 
pretty well. You know, there were some other high achievers in there, but generally sort of me and Simon were doing pretty well. We were always there or thereabouts. And, you know, I, I can be very single minded, uh, you know, in, in my um, you know, my approach to to achieving things. And the way I saw it, even though we were there as a group and we were there to, you know, sort of help one another through, I really saw the other high achievers, including Simon, as the competition. Um, you yeah. know, I wanted to be the best. And there's always this 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 kind of saying um, you know, about being the grey man. You know, in, in recruit training for the Royal Marines, you know, you should be the grey man, you know, sort of just just blend into the background. Don't do anything to to you know, sort of highlight yourself, you know, just get on with it, do your day job. Don't really stick your head above the parapet, you know, just just get on with it. You know, if you want the best chance of, of, of passing recruit training, just get on with it, you know, be the be the grey man, it yeah. was always kind of termed. That that doesn't really wash with 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 me or with Simon either. You know, we would naturally you know, take on the sort of leadership role when we were on exercises. We would be given direction to, you know, sort of other people. We'd be taking the lead on things, you know, we'd be sort of leading in the sort of mock firefights and stuff like that. You know, he was with one group, I was with another group and stuff. Um, you know, so so that that whole grey man concept didn't really, you know, sort of sort of, sort of tap into into either of us. You know, sort of we were there, we were doing well. We knew that we had a bit of an advantage having, you know, a bit of service behind us. Um, you know, and we were working very, very hard. And and I was in competition with him and some others. And I dare say he felt the same way uh, in reverse. He was in competition with me and others as well. Um and we carried on through training. Um, you know, and of course it gradually gets tougher. It gradually gets harder. Um you know, my 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 dedication, you know, it was just complete focus. You know, I didn't have any other thoughts outside of, of the Royal Marines. And, and it was interesting, you know, as I say, the exercises get harder, the fitness gets harder, everything gets tougher, the instructors get angrier. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all that kind of way. And I think it got to about week 10, week 10, week 11. Um, we'd been out on exercise um, out on Woodbury Common, and the, the the sort of exercises by that stage are kind of going out on a Monday. You're coming back on the Friday. They're obviously very very physically demanding, even at that earlier stage of training. Um, and then it's all about getting your kit sorted. You know, after exercise, getting all your kit washed down, all ready for muster on the on the Saturday morning. And then assuming everything's good, kind of on the Saturday, you can kind of go out. You can have a few beers or whatever, and um, you know, then have an easy Sunday. And then it all starts again on the Monday. Um, and it was a Saturday after an exercise. I can't remember the name of the exercise that it was, but, um, you know, we'd all found it really, really demanding. We'd all gone out for a couple of beers on the Saturday night. I'd got back and it wasn't it wasn't a, a significantly late night, um, but I got back. I was just kind of settling down and starting to think about what I was going to do on the Sunday, ready for, for the Monday. And Simon approached me um, and really you know, sort of spilled his heart out, I suppose, about his, 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 his feelings about how he was, you know, sort of struggling with the concept of becoming a Royal Marine because obviously he had Sue in Portsmouth. He also was, was carrying a couple of injuries as well. You know, he'd always been very physically able, very physically robust, but of course, you know, with the Royal Marines, you know, when you're, you know, steadily carrying heavier and heavier packs, you know, Bergen's on your back and all the kit that goes with it. If you've got any niggling injuries, that type of training is always going to, yeah. you know, emphasize it. Um, so he had a he had a bit of a lower back 
problem as well, which I think was starting to struggle. I think it was there was just a litany of 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 things that was contributing to him thinking, you know what, I just don't think the Royal Marines is is is, is going to be right for me. So he came to me, um, and I don't know what he was expecting me to say. I don't know what he was expecting from me. You know, whether it be empathy or sympathy or guidance or what, I don't know. Um, but I was I was probably looking back at it now, probably quite dismissive of him um, because my my mind, my focus was just on, you know, getting Monday, selection. getting yeah. on, getting through it, becoming a Royal Marine. So I didn't really give much sort of credence to this, 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 this kind of feeling that, you know, this, 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 this information that Simon was giving me. And I was just kind of the view, you know, if that's your decision, then crack on, um, you know, that's, that's your decision, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be carrying on, you know, and, and, and best, best of luck to you. So he made the decision and, you know, it must've been a tough decision for him as well, you know, because he, he would have made a good Marine for that. I have absolutely no doubt, you know, he was doing well, he would have made a, a, a good Royal Marine. Um, but he, you know, he had his reasons for, 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 for not doing so. So, um, yeah, he made his decision to leave. He, he put in his request to kind of return to the Royal Navy. That was, accepted um and i i just i just carried on doing what i was doing i you know as far as i was concerned it was like well there's one of the competition out of the way how do you feel about that now though um <laughs> i mean you are close to your brother and yeah you, and, yeah and very much so how, you know that that is and like you say it's quite dismissive but how do you feel about that now if, if you did it again would you be the same i i would like I don't know. I don't suppose I've really ever thought about it. No. I, I think I probably would be exactly the same, to yeah, be honest with fair you. Enough. Um, you know, me and Simon, we're we're pretty straight with one another yeah. about things, with our sort of decision making and stuff. And I, I think I'd probably be the same. Whether he'd have, if if roles were reversed, and I'd have gone to him because you know I, I had injuries, I was in a relationship or whatever. I, whether he'd have been the same with me in reverse, I really don't, don't know. know. I can't say. Only no. he could tell you that, and maybe you'll have to get a podcast with him. Well, to I think we'll get him up get here and do, do one with all three of us. Yeah, yeah. maybe so. But um, but that's that. That was the situation anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Back then, it was it was um, you know my focus was becoming a, a Royal Marine. Yeah. Um, him going. Um, you know, got got one area of competition out of the way, um, and I I could just crack on. You know, and this was a I was approached about this by the training team as well. So the training team in in recruit training, you've got four corporals who kind of manage the the sections. You've then got a troop sergeant, and you then have a troop commander who's typically a, a sort of lieutenant or or a captain um, who kind of runs runs the show. Um, and my corporal, a guy called Corporal Burns, he approached us um, that following week and said to me you know he said well obviously your, your, your brother's going um you know for, for his own reasons are you have you got similar thoughts are you thinking of going back to the Royal Navy as well um and again I was I was quite dismissive again about the whole notion of it you know to the tune of absolutely not yeah the only thing on my mind is getting, getting the Green done. Beret, is becoming Royal Marines. You know, Simon, he's, he's his own man. You know, he's sort of 25 at this stage. If he wants to go back to the Royal Navy, I, I, I wish him well, but that's not influencing my decision-making whatsoever. I'm going to crack on and, and and become a Royal Marine. Um, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, that's exactly what I did. You know, sort of Simon went back to the to, to the Royal Navy and sort of carved out, you know, a, a, a continued successful career there. I carried on with training. And, of course, the training then gradually, as I say, was a sort of week 11, week 12, 
2012 at that time. At week 15, it goes from the kind of basic infantry level training and starts moving towards the commando phase, you know, so the exciting stuff, you yeah. know, the going out in the helicopters, fast roping out of them, the abseiling, you know, climbing up cliffs, you know, the live firing exercises, etc. It really intensifies, um, you know, and the training, you know, obviously the physical element of it intensifies as well. Um and at this stage, you know, they're starting to identify people with the sort of leadership potential, um, you know, sort of people to sort of run the sections, you know, sort of do the sort of role that the corporals were doing. Because ultimately what they want at the end of the training is to be able to send their guys out to the to the, to the units, you know, to, to, to the to the fighting units. And for those guys to be completely capable just to fit in, because, you know, who knows, you know, sort of, as we saw with Afghanistan, certainly there were guys coming straight out of training, going to their units and a couple of days later on a flight out to, to Kandahar yeah. or something like that, you know, so you have to be by the end of training fully capable of, you know, getting to your unit and being, being a fighting Marine. Um, so as the training intensifies, they're, they're on the lookout for people that can, um, you know, that, that are showing leadership, that are showing promise. And um, I'd, I'd had by this stage, I'd, I'd become aware of the King's badge. So, Back, you know, we're going back to 1918, King George V, um, following the successful uh, raid on Zeebrugge by the Royal Marines, um, King George V had gone to inspect a recruit troop down at Deal in Kent. And during the inspection, it was it was his instruction and his, his, his pleasure to say that he wanted every senior recruit troop in the Royal Marines to become known as the King's Squad. So okay. for, for the last two weeks of recruit training, you know, sort of once all of the you know, all the, the final exercises, commando tests, et cetera, had been done. You know, the the the, the senior recruit troop would become known as the King's Squad. Okay. And within that King's Squad, if there was anyone that met the criteria, um, the exacting standards as it as it's as it's termed, um, that person would be known as the King's badgeman. Um and this was again, you know, sort of given by King George V, you know, the, the, the senior person within the senior recruit troop within the King's squad, if they meet the exacting standards, if they meet the criteria, they would become known as the King's badgeman. It wouldn't be given to every King's squad. You know, you'd have to go through a, a further kind of selection, if you like. Um, but if you met those standards, you, you would become the King's badgeman. So I'd kind of had this kind of idea that that would be, you know, the Green Beret was always the that was always the, the focus, but it, this, this notion of becoming the King's badge had been, you know, sort of, um, had, had, had come to me as well. Um, so then at, at week 25, the people that show the real leadership potential, they get known as the diamonds and they get to wear a diamond on their arm for the remainder of, of training. They're the guys with, say, the leadership potential, the okay, ones that are yeah. kind of leading the, 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 the sections. Um, so I'd been made a diamond. Me and three other guys had been made a diamond, and that meant that we were effectively in the running to become a king's badge. So it was interesting. At this stage, you know, week 25, we still had the commando test to come. We still had, you know, a couple of really big exercises to get through, but I was already pretty confident at that stage that the green beret was was in the bag so um i was you know keen by this point to, to to become a king's badgeman so as opposed to looking across the whole recruit troop and thinking you know i'm in competition with all these guys i was just looking at those other three diamonds it's and narrowed thinking, your focus yes absolutely it's really narrowed my focus and um um you know they're they're the guys that i want to do better than um and that's that's how it played out um you know, we 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 
we did our exercises um you know we did the commando tests and i you know i hold my head up high i i i, I know that i performed well in all of it i did take a leadership role yeah um so did so did those guys as well but when it came to it after we'd done all of the the, the hard work all of the tests all the exercises etc the diamonds had been whittled down to just two of us so me and a guy called marine hattrick or recruit hattrick as he was known at the time um i can't think what his first name was because we all called one another by surnames but recruit hattrick he was the only other diamond he was the only other one being put forward for the for the king's badge okay. board so uh, he he became the competition you know and he was a really really good guy you know he was a geordie really sort of proud you know newcastle supporter very very capable clearly otherwise he wouldn't be at that yeah. stage of training and he wouldn't be in the running to become a king's badgeman um but yeah it was kind of kind of me and me and him um and and the way the king's badge works is as I say it's after all the tests have been completed and stuff. But um, you have to go through a, a sort of a, an inspection. You have to go in front of a, a board of senior officers who kind of give you a question and answer session on you know core history and across the military. You know it's it's, it's like a half day of of you know sort of graft if you like. You know sort of being assessed and evaluated to see if either of you are, 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 are capable enough to be the king's badgeman. Um, so yeah, so me and uh, recruit Hattrick were, were 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 put forward for that, and it was interesting at this time with our training team that the six of them, the four corporals, the sergeant, and the 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 officer, the um, the lieutenant, they'd all put bets on us as well. You know, they'd been through us throughout the whole training. They knew us, you know, probably yeah, better than our own bloody parents did by that stage. Um, but they'd all put bets on between themselves who right. was going to get the king's badge. Um, and the, the sergeant, the troop sergeant, was a guy called Ron Sharples, so Sergeant Sharples. And he was your old school, you know, Falklands veteran, yeah. you know, rough around the edges, tough, tough, tough sergeant. You know, lovely guy. If you're on the right side of him... You know, he was a, a a lovely guy, but he was a real tough guy. Uh, thankfully, I was on the right side of him. Um, but he had his wager on me. The other five had them all on on Hattrick. Hat-trick. They're, they're all wow. sort of betting on Hattrick. So, um, yeah, they let us know before going down for our sort of assessment, our evaluation that, you know, they kind of had the bets on. So that gave us, gave it a little bit of added spice. Um, so, yeah, so me and me and recruit Hattrick, you kind of go down to to, to the uh, the base commanders or, or, or the... Uh, the yeah, the base commander's offices, um, you get inspected, you know, because you're wearing your sort of your best uniform and stuff. So you're getting inspected. You then go in and sit in front of the board. You do this kind of assessment, this sort of evaluation. And then you come out and you sort of wait to hear if either of you has been successful. Because, of course, you know, they may, you know, you may not have been. You know, they, they may not get awarded for, for for our king squad so we kind of came out and of course you know we were both very very nervous but then we um yeah we went back to the accommodation block and by then the news had kind of trickled over to the training team um that I'd been I'd been successful um you know and I I'd, I'd been awarded the king's badge and you know I'd, I had an inkling that I'd done well because again that preparation piece I'd I'd I'd, I'd Put myself in the best possible position to, um, you know, to do well Succeed. for the for the king's badge. So, um, yeah, I got it. Obviously, was an overwhelming sense of achievement. You know, as I said, the green beret was was the key, but getting the king's badge on top of that was the real cherry on top of the cake. Um, obviously, Sergeant Sharples was 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 double happy because he'd, he'd won the bet and he'd, he'd sort of got the winnings from the other guys. Um, but that was that was then it. That was kind of the end of, of training. I'd 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 been awarded my green beret. I'd I'd got my king's badge. You know, we were the senior 
recruit troop. I was the sort of senior guy as the King's Badgeman. Um, and that was the end of training. And um, it was quite, this was, um, we we were having our passing out parade, you know, the kind of final parade when your family come down and, and, and stuff. And um that was that was scheduled for December sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine. So we were the last recruit troop of the millennium. Yeah. Um, so we were then going to go on leave for for, for for two weeks over Christmas and New Year, and then we would go off to our postings. And the thing at the end of recruit training, you know, you get told where you're going. You know, you're going to forty commander, you're going to four two commander, you're going to four five commander, whatever the case may be. As King's Badgeman, you get a bit more choice around where you're going. Um, you get asked, you know, where, where where do you want to go? Do you want to go to a unit? Do you want to do something else? And what a lot of King's Badgemen did is they would go to their local careers office. Yeah. And when you think about it, you know, they're, they're in quite a good place to do so. You know, they're fresh out of training. They're the top recruit. They go to their careers office. They're, they're, they're seeing guys that are coming in that are showing an interest in the Royal Marines, interest in joining the Royal Marines. You know, they're the perfect sort of poster boys, if you like, yeah. as an advertisement for the Royal Marines. Um, so that was that was kind of offered to me. You know, do you want to go to Chelmsford Careers Office, uh, you know, and, and kind of spend a little bit of time there? Um, but this, again, this kind of single-minded nature about wanting to be a Royal Marine, wanting to get out there and get my, my hands dirty, my sort of boots on the ground, I was, no, I've got no interest in going to a careers office at all. I want to get out to a unit. I want to be plying my trade as a, as a Royal Marine. And at that stage, 4-2 Commando down in Plymouth, they were gearing up to become the um, UK Rapid Response Force. Right, okay. So I was, what's got to be 4-2 Commando? I want to go to 4-2 Commando, you know. I'll have me leave period, but then I, I want to go down there. So I was, um, yeah, I was posted to four two commando. So we had our, our passing out parade. I went home for the two weeks um, to dads and and then to mums over the Christmas and New Year period. Had a great New Year. Obviously, it was the millennium, so we had a great New Year. And then um, and then travelled down to Plymouth um, to join four two commando at the start of January two thousand. Right. Um, and it's it's funny, and I'm I'm sure. This this taps into you know what a lot of other guys you know across all military services will tell you you know you go from being kind of top of the tree you know in recruit training senior recruit troops senior recruit stuff and then you join your unit and you're you're kind of knocked off your perch very very quickly because you are starting again yeah starting again you know you're the most junior person there. Um, you know, irrespective of whether you've got a King's badge or not, you know, you've got guys there that have been in the core for, you know, a couple of years, some of them a few years, whatever the case may be, and you're suddenly very junior again. So it's like, oh, wow, you know. Geez. You're the new T-boy. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is very much so. So, um, yeah, again, it's it's back to basics again. It's establishing yourself with that group of people. Um, it's doing all you can to kind of, you know, gain these people's trust, showing them that, you know, the recruit training was good and that you learned a lot and that you can, you know, be valuable within this unit. Um, and, and I very much did that. I very much did that. You know, we went off on a number of um, a number of exercises in the UK and around um, around Europe as well. Um, and I was I was fitting in really well. Um you know, I was I was I was starting to represent the unit in some sports. I was um, clearly, obviously, very very physically fit and robust, even amongst a group of very fit and robust guys. You know, I was I was you know sort of 
very very much at the the, the pinnacle. Uh, you know the kind of pinnacle of that um you know and i was enjoying life it was it was really really good um you know we were doing well on the exercises we were having a good unit building up really good relationships and then of course in in 2000 it started kicking off in sierra leone in in west africa and at this stage we were doing a big exercise in the south of france we were just outside marseille in a big military training area there and we were actually doing a a, a big um, exercise with a number of other NATO forces. Um, yeah, and this competition, which was all based around, you know, kind of, you know, infantry and fighting and stuff. Um, me and me and my section, so me and three other guys in, in my section, we actually won it. You know, across all this, these 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 other other groups, we we won it, and I was kind of leading that. So this was this was great. You know, I was doing really really well, and then you know, sort of Sierra Leone came along, and this was almost that. That kind of segue. It's like, you know, we're doing really well. Now we're going out on operations. This is the next building block. Yeah. Um, you know, this is exciting stuff. We're getting out on operations. We're getting out on the ground. So, um, yeah, we we jumped on board or we were put on board HMS Ocean um, and sailed around there. Um and of course, you know, we wanted to be there. We wanted to be there first. We were beaten there by by a couple of days by the Paris, who had actually flown down from the UK. So they got there oh, first. Okay. And of course, so there was a little bit of needle when we got there. Of course, there's always going to be a rivalry between yeah, the Royal course. Marines and, and and the Paris. Um so yeah, so we got we got down there. Um you know, and it's, it was it was exciting. You know, it wasn't like a an Iraq or Afghanistan. Also, I wasn't in Iraq or Afghanistan, but um, you know, it was it was tailor made for the Royal Marines or indeed the Paras. Um, you know, we were we were flying in on helicopters and fast roping out of the helicopters onto the beaches. You know, we were getting into, you know, the 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 the, the big land rovers with the big point five guns on the top and we were sort of driving inland to try to stop the rot ultimately. You know, yeah. you had the West Side boys, um, you know, the real troublemakers down there that were causing havoc. You know, they were they were causing untold atrocities and our job was to get down there and to um, obviously try to stop that rot um but what a what a what a what a place to do it you know sort of jungle warfare you know obviously yeah. the royal marines are, are, are very very um big on that it's one of our areas of, of expertise so getting out there and doing that it was um you know it wasn't nice don't get me wrong it wasn't nice you know but you're how did you feel there. you're sailing down there how did you feel about you know what what you were going to face when you got there well did we you know where you were going yeah yeah yeah. no we absolutely knew yeah and we knew that it was going to get reported on in the press as well actually and it's funny you sort of speak to my mum now because you know sort of people say to her, oh you know your, your sons were in the military how did you deal with it when they were going to places and stuff like this and she'll always say you know they very rarely told us anything about it and that was very much the case with this so we were out in marseille we got given the orders that we were going to be going to sierra leone because it was going um bad there and we knew it was going to be reported upon in the in the media, typically by the tabloid press. So our families were going to see it. So we could we could tell our families that we were going away on operations, but we couldn't go into detail no. of exactly where or why. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I remember picking up the phone in a public phone box. Um, you know, lovely little marina there in in Marseille. We're having a couple of drinks, and uh, lovely little marina there. And I, I, we were kind of all given the, the the orders to go out and you know sort of give our families the heads up if we wanted to. So I picked up the phone. Um, in, in this phone box to, to my mum and literally just said, you know, you're going to see news over the next couple of days about the, the Royal Marines going somewhere on operations because there's a bit of trouble and I, I'm, I'm part of that. I said, don't worry, you know, I'm going down there, but 
we're the Royal Marines. We know what we're doing. Um, so she was, you know, naturally, you know, at the end of the phone, you know, she was she was obviously quite, quite anxious and, and, and upset about it. Um, but for me, it was like, great, you know, let's get down this there. What let's you're get, for. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get down there. Let's get boots on the ground. And all the way there, we didn't really know what to expect. You know, we didn't know quite how bad it was going to be. All we knew was is that we had this this big group of 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 you know drug addled blokes kids and women as well armed to the teeth with old bloody russian ak-47s and stuff that were literally just going from place to place causing absolute carnage going into villages and and towns slaughtering people um you know, because it was all about obviously the diamond mines in the east of the country, the money being made from there, and that was obviously feeding. You know, the the, the, the sort of it was just a a messy, messy in, environment. But we yeah. didn't really know, you know, sort of how how difficult it was going to be for us, how 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 tough these guys were going to be to fight against, etc. So um, yeah, we kind of went went there, kind of eyes eyes wide open, and just thought we we're going to get in there, we'll get onto the ground, we'll go deep into country, and and see what we come up against yeah, obviously you know we'd, we'd, we'd put together battle plans and stuff but uh, we didn't really know what we would we would find so we spent um you know those 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 weeks that we were there um literally doing that you know going from village to village um kind of ridding them of 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 these troublemakers you know the west side boys and stuff you know working with other forces that were there as well yeah to improve the the, the the situation and you know ultimately try to give some hope to these poor villagers that had been you know had untold atrocities um you know sort of brought upon them by um by by, by these west side boys um so we had a we had a we had a few weeks there we then were taken over by by some other military units, some some army units, um, and we then went back home. I mean, we returned. I returned to Sierra Leone another two times after that. Oh, okay. um, you know, sort of in in two thousand and one. Um, but we went back home, and I actually got home just in time for Simon's wedding to to Sue in in middle of two thousand. Um, and it's it's kind of at that stage, at that stage, you know, bearing in mind I'd just come back off of, you know, an, an operation out in the jungle of Sierra Leone. Again, you know, I was I was I was fit, I was robust, I was doing really well at the unit. There was clearly, you know, some some there was gonna be a good future for me in the Royal Marines, you know, I was achieving things, you know, I was I was making my mark. You know, I was living my best life at that time turning up at that wedding and being in Portsmouth for those few days over the wedding you know I was in a really really good place and I think that probably told as well you know confident guy you know confident but not arrogant you know but you know I I I was you know I I was doing all the right things I was in a really good place I was what was I 2000 so I was you know just turned 21 I wasn't earning fortunes because no one in the military earns fortunes but you know I didn't really have any Big not, outgoings. I didn't no have care. a mortgage. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. I didn't even have a car, you know, because I couldn't even drive at that time. Um, but yeah, not a care in the world other than being a good Marine. And and it was always, you know, sort of certainly in the Royal Marines, but I dare say probably in the Paras and a number of other forces as well. It's very much, you know, sort of work hard, play hard. And we'd really go and kind of, you know, sort of smash it out on a night out or whatever, you know, we'd go and enjoy ourselves because we'd worked hard, particularly, you know, sort of coming off operations in Sierra Leone and stuff. So, um, yeah, I was in a, I was in a really, really good place at that time. You know, there was a, there was a good career in the Royal Marines coming up for me. Um, but I think with this, with that, that 
confidence and with that, um, you know, that kind of lifestyle that I was leading. You know, when we were when we were in Plymouth, when we were at Four Two Commando, when we weren't away on exercise or operations, you know, the weeks would it's pretty it's a pretty simple life. You know, considering the level of training that you go through, actually, when you're when you're at base, when you're at your barracks. It's a pretty easy life. Um, you know, you sort of on a Monday to Friday basis, you get up first thing in the morning, you have breakfast, um, you'll go out and do your physical training, you go out for, you know, a, an eight mile run maybe, or you'd you'd you know, sort of do something up on the moors, maybe. Um, you'd come back, you'd you'd get showered, you'd get into uniform, you'd spend some time in the classroom, or you'd go out and you'd do, you know, sort of practicing drills, you know, sort of doing, you know, sort of abseiling or, or rock climbing or something. Um then you'd, you know, you'd do a bit of admin in the afternoon, make sure that everything was was okay. And you know, then your evening was 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 your own. If you wanted to go out, you'd go out. If you, you know, wanted to go and see your girlfriend, for those people that had girlfriends or whatever, you know, they'd, they'd kind of do that. Um, you know, or if you just wanted to sit in your in your accommodation and just chew the fat with your mates and, and play on your PlayStation or whatever, you'd kind of do that, you know. Yeah. And it's a pretty easy existence, you know. But you've you know, worked the, hard to get to that existence. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, you, absolutely. It hasn't just been given to you. you I think you're, you're, you're making it sound like it. But you've you've actually gone through a process there. Wednesday afternoons, you'd have your sports afternoon. Oh, yeah. All that, you know, all that sorts of stuff. But um, Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, uh, you know, an, an eight-miler on a daily basis now <laughs> would flip in near on kill me, I dare right. say. But back then it was, you know, it was you know, easy, dare I say, we'd kind of, you know, we'd, we'd go. Yeah. And as I say, you know, I was, a, I was a very fit guy at this time as well as, you know, and I was surrounded by guys as well. You know, I was, I was representing 4-2 Commando, um, you know, in the core boxing championships. So, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was, I was a fit, fit guy. Um, you know, it, it was all there. And, but, but the point is when, when you're at the barracks, it's, 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 it's pretty easy going at that kind of stage you know and, and the only difference to that would be would be your weekends because you'd, you'd get your accommodation block you'd do your fizz on a, on, a, on a Friday morning you'd then come back you'd get your accommodation block sort of squared away you'd have someone come in and do an inspection whether that was your troop sergeant or your troop commander or your company commander maybe they'd do an inspection and assuming everything was okay and everyone you know had their kit in order and the accommodation in order it would then typically be you know sort of one two o'clock Right, lads. You know the rest of your weekend is is your own, yeah. and I'll see you Monday. And you'd you'd kind of go out. You know, for us, we'd go down to um, to Plymouth City Centre um, on late sort of Friday afternoon. You know, we'd be out all afternoon, all evening. We'd come back. We'd kind of do the same on on Saturday. <laughs> on a Sunday, we may sort of get up and you know blow the cobwebs out a little bit with a little bit of fizz on a Sunday, but then probably go out in the afternoon for a few more beers, and then you'd kind of you know Monday you'd be back to back to the routine again. Um, and that's just the way it was. Say so when you weren't away, when yeah. you weren't off on exercises in Senny Bridge or out in Europe somewhere or, or anywhere around the world, and you weren't on operations, you know you. You're just kind of biding your time. You're treading water. You're keeping yourself fit. You're keeping yourself sort of motivated and stuff. But, but you're always battle ready. You're always battle ready, yeah. Um, and as I say, at this time, and this is kind of late 2000, year 2000, um, you know, it was all in the right place for me. Everything, you know, I was ticking all the right boxes. This isn't to blow smoke up my backside, but, you know, it was, it was a good place. Um, I was I was, I was, was doing well. But I, I was very confident. We'd, you know, we'd, we'd go out and... You know, I'd be the guy that would be cracking the jokes at the bar that people would be, you know, you know, sort of listening in on and stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I had a good group of mates. You know, we all bounce things off one another. You know, it was a good group. You know, and and you say, you know, I'd have, you know, we'd all have sort of 
casual relationships, you know, kind of on-off girlfriends and stuff in the local area. Uh, and of course, Plymouth is a is a is a bit of a hotbed, you know, because you've got the Royal Marines there. Of course, we were there with four two commando. You've also got the Royal Marines at Stonehouse Barracks. You've got two nine commando down there, so part of the army. You've got other army units there. You've got the Royal Navy, of course, who have got a huge presence there. You've got university students. You've got you know obviously big Plymouth Uni there. Um, and then, of course, you've got your your your, your civvies who have to put up with this, <laughs> you know, eclectic mix of of of, of people. Um, you know, so so it was a real mix of of, of people there. And I say we used to have a really nice time. You know, we'd have, we'd have a good, enjoyable time. Um, it, it was a good time, and I suppose. You know, and this isn't detrimental to, to to the person that I'm going to to, to come on to to speak about, but um, I I got into a very serious relationship at, at that time. As I say, it all been very casual to that point. You know, I hadn't really had any girlfriends at, at school age because I just wasn't confident enough to ask a girl out, let alone hold down a relationship. And I had kind of casual relationships during my time in the Royal Navy. Nothing really sort of committed. And as I said, you know, at the start of Royal Marines training. Um, I wasn't in a, in, a, in a significant relationship at that time. You know, it was very, very easy, easy going. Um, but I met, I met a young lady, um, out on a Saturday night out in Plymouth. Um, and this quickly developed into, you know, a sort of a, a very serious relationship. You know, I, I, I fell in love, fell in love very, very quickly with her. I've got to say, um, you know, we, you know, it was just a, it was it, it was it was a very fast paced relationship. You know, she was a bit younger. She was in college. Um, obviously, I was I was twenty one in my first year at, at the Royal Marines. Um, you know, and it was a very fast paced, very sort of quickly developing relationship. You know, sort of I, I obviously fell in love with her. Her family um, liked me. I liked being with her and her family. And I think at this time, the Royal Marines started to play second fiddle a, a little a little bit um you know because for this first time I was in this sort of serious relationship um and my focus was 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 then on my my girlfriend you know I was still a, a you know a, a very good Royal Marine don't get me wrong as I say we went back out to Sierra Leone a couple of times we did various other exercises but I just just didn't enjoy or didn't get the same excitement about going away as I did because I wanted to be with my girlfriend. And I think the best example of, of that would be at the start of 2001 when 4-2 Commando, we were traveling to Norway from January to March to do our Arctic warfare training. You know, take me back to, you know, June, July time, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have you know, sort of given you my right arm to go out there and do it. Now, in this serious relationship with my girlfriend, I wasn't looking forward to it very much. No. You know, I, I wasn't really excited about going out there. You know, Norway's a big deal as well because the Royal Marines are, you know, the sort of the UK's kind of Arctic warfare training sort of kind of harder, you know. Um, we, we sort of, you know, sort of lead the way when it comes to, 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 to fighting in those conditions. Um, you know, and it's a big thing, you know, sort of getting a Norway tick in the box in your career. But I really wasn't looking forward to it very much. It would have meant I'd be away from my girlfriend January, February, March. Um, so, yeah, I, I went there. The same why I was there, I didn't enjoy it too much either because I, I just wanted to be with, with with my girlfriend. So I probably didn't get as much out of that trip as I as I as I as I could have done, or, or probably should have done. And that just kind of that continued on. That continued on while I was in. How this do you feel about that now, though? Because looking looking back, that 
um, the dedication that you put into getting into the Royal Marines. How do you feel about that? Those almost negative thoughts whilst you whilst you were there. Yeah, I I I, I don't regret being in the in the relationship with the, with the girlfriend because she was wonderful and she has no fault here at all. No, no, she, no. She was just being a girlfriend. But for me, I should have I I should have remembered. You know, I, I should have focused on the on the right things. You know, I I think it's through my lack of experience in serious committed relationships at that time. Um, I I just allowed myself to focus more on her than I did on on Your raw, on the Royal Marines and on my career, um, and that really sort of continued to to you know, sort of emphasise itself, um, you know, as the relationship went on. You know, I was still doing good stuff. You know, I was still, you know, sort of achieving well. I was still yeah. going out and doing well in exercises. I'd kind of received a promotion to, to Lance Corporal by this stage. As I say, we went back out to Sierra Leone twice again on, on different operations. I'd received some commendations from, you know, sort of senior military officials that were out there. So I was still doing, a you know, a, a good job as a Royal Marines, but there was just, you know... I was just but the, a but, lot of my focus but the was on my girlfriend. Was you decided that the Royal, Royal Marines was no longer for you as a direct result of this relationship. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, because I was looking ahead to the future and thinking, I want to be with this girl for the long term, and I'm not sure I want to spend the next twenty years. You know, spending nine months of the year away. You know, I want mm. to be with her more than that. I don't just want to be with her three months of the year. So it started eating away, uh, eating away at me a little bit. Um, as 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 certainly as two thousand and one kind of carried on, and and the relationship continued to develop. Um, as it as it transpired. Um, you know, one thing led to another, but we actually, you know, this wasn't a real long-term relationship either, but it was, it was, you know, it was very fast paced. It was sort of very quick. I think it was probably her first serious relationship as well as mine. Um, but for one reason or another, we, we, we ended up splitting up. Um, had you put your ticket in at this point? I hadn't. No, no, I was, um, this, this was towards the back end of 2001. And I think it was that, that kind of Broke the camel's back, if you like. I, I was, I, I would already at that stage had lost this focus with the Royal Marines, if you like. Um, but then splitting up with with my girlfriend, it hit me quite hard. It, it really did hit me quite hard, and um, I think it shifted my focus even more to the point that you know I, I became a little bit disenfranchised with the Royal Marines at that point. I was like, you know, I don't really want to be doing I, I don't really want to be around Plymouth anymore I don't want to be you know associated with this area anymore what I, what I should have done is looked at opportunities to go to another unit I should have gone to a 40 commando or a 4-5 commando removed myself from the environment where my my now ex-girlfriend was and given myself a fresh start somewhere else but, you but didn't, I didn't did I didn't you? no no I didn't um we were gearing up for a tour to um, gearing up for a tour to Northern Ireland instead in two thousand and two, um, and I suppose that in itself that could have galvanised the situation. You know, spending six months away in in, in South Armagh, um, but it didn't. It, it had it had the opposite effect, and, and if anything, it probably uh, reduced my appetite for wanting to stay in the Royal Marines even more because I. I, I <sighs> 
again, not not detrimental to anything that happened in 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 Northern Ireland because during the Troubles, obviously, it was a, it was a very very dangerous place, and a lot of you know a lot of people lost their lives there. But in two thousand and two, even in South Armagh, which is where we were. There wasn't a huge amount going on there. Obviously, the peace agreement had been reached in the late nineties. Yeah, you know, it was it was a better environment then than it it, it had ever been. Certainly, back to nineteen sixty nine when when the troubles had occurred. So, I I felt probably a little bit wasted being out there. And again, that's not detrimental to any other you know sort of arms of of, of the UK armed forces. But I just felt that it was a bit of a waste of the Royal Marines being there. You know, sort of sitting in a gatehouse or sitting in a watchtower. You know, at, at that time, I was like, you know, we're, we're Royal Marines for goodness sake. You know, how do you feel about that now? Because I mean, it does sound, um, you know, you're you're my cousin, you're my friend, but that sounds like quite arrogant. If I'm yeah, it does, it does, yeah, and I'd I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. But that was my kind of mindset at the time. I was in a, in a strange place. I was in a bit of a sulk from my 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 split up from my girlfriend. I had by this time put my my twelve months notice in to 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 leave the Royal Marines. And although I was becoming disenfranchised with the Royal Marines, you know, there, there was, you know, it was still the Royal Marines at the end of the day. You know, I was kind of on my way out, but I still felt at that time in 2002, you know, if it had been 10 years earlier, it would have been a different feeling because there was, you know, South yeah. Armagh was a, was a very, very dangerous place. But in 2002, it just felt a bit mundane. And yes, you know, I know it comes across as sounding arrogant, but I just felt like we could be doing other things more commando based things as opposed to sitting in a in a in a gatehouse or, or sitting in a watchtower yeah. or you know sort of patrolling the fields around of 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 south armagh which is which is what we were doing Com- completely wrong mindset and i don't agree with that mindset now at all no. and, and don't, don't get me wrong you know even though i had those feelings you know i still put the effort in i was still yeah. working hard i was still a fully functioning royal marine um but that was just kind of the feeling that I had at the moment. I, I you know, I, I, I suppose my my head certainly wasn't in the right place at the time. I was kind of, you know, looking at December two thousand and two at coming out, um, and we we got back from South Amar in September of two thousand and two. So I then had a couple of months to, um, you know, to if I'd wanted to, to go out and do courses, to go out and look for employment for me to move into in December. Um, but I didn't. And this is, again, kind of testament to the sort of situation I was in at the time, not really doing much to help myself. I suppose it was part of the sensation as well that, um, you know, something would just land on my, my doorstep because I would be a former Royal Marine. And of course, everyone would want to employ a former Royal Marine. Um, I kind of had that notion as well, completely unfounded, of course. And, and that, that soon came to prove itself. I left in December and initially went back to my dad's in Clacton um, with the hope of, you know, or the expectation almost that, any job that I applied for would just be offered to me. But well, first of all, there weren't too many jobs to apply for anyway, because there's not a huge amount of, there wasn't a huge amount at that time of employment over the Christmas period in, um, in Clapton or Frinton, uh, but also those that I, I, I did apply for, um, I didn't get. So I, I kind of went into this I suppose, almost a sort of a, a, a period of, of, of self pity almost, yeah. you know, sort of, have I made the right decision? <laughs> have I not, etc. Um, but I then got in contact with a guy that I'd been in the Royal Navy with who was living in East London doing some building work. Um, 
and he said, well, how about, you know, we, we, you know, you, you come up here, um, you know, you sort of spend some time on me, me couch, um, do some work here, you know, it'd be great to be back in touch. So that's exactly what I did. I, I kind of left, um, I left my, my, my dad's, this was in the new year. Um, I, I'd gone to, um, East London to be with my mate and I did some work, um, you know, and it wasn't a great lifestyle at, at this time. As I say, I, I think there were probably still this sort of period of, of self-pity. I'm, I'm not going to go down the route and say that I was, you know, sort of depressed or anything like that because that is, that is you know, sort of serious stuff. But I was definitely not in a good place. No. Um, you know, I wasn't feeling good about myself. I was sort of self-doubt. Had I made the right decisions? Should I go back in? Should I not go back in, etc. I just wasn't in a very good place. And I think being in East London and in the environment in which I was in, that kind of exacerbated it a little bit and made things worse. Yeah. Um, you know, the group of people that I was I was hanging out with, you know, sort of weren't you know pillars of society, if you like. You know, I, I was, you know, sort of in 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 in, a, in, a, in quite a bad place. But then um, an opportunity came up with this guy, the guy that I was uh, that I'd been in the Royal Navy with. His mum had bought a, a bar in Magaluf in Mallorca um, and wanted him to to run it. So he said, well, do you want to come out to Mallorca with me and, and help me run the bar? So I was like, yeah, fantastic. Uh, you know, well, <laughs> well, why not? Absolutely. We'll kind of go out there and do that. So um, so I, I I went out there with him um, and for the first sort of week or so, maybe week or two, uh, you know, it was okay. You know, I, I was, I was, you know, we were, we were obviously setting the bar up ready to open, um, probably drinking a bit more than we, than we should have done given the, given the, the, the sort of environment. Um but yeah, it soon started deteriorating because, of course, we were reliant. You know, our 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 food, um, you know, our rent and stuff was reliant on how much money we could make from the bar. And of course, there were so many other bars out there. Um, you know, it's, 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 it was a it's lot a of competition. Tough, tough, tough life, yeah. And we didn't get the amount of custom that we'd hoped that we would try as we might. Um, and it, it it started spiraling you know we weren't making any money we were struggling to find you know enough money to sort of feed ourselves and stuff and it got to a really really bad position you know i was i was you know sort of hanging out with um you know some sort of questionable characters as well and and um yeah it it was it was not a good time not it a good wasn't part a good time not a good part of my life um so how did you snap yourself out of it? What did you do? It was really interesting, actually. It's, it's really interesting you say that. I was I was in the bar. Um, there weren't many people in it, but I was behind the bar um, serving, and we had TV channels in in the bar. Um, you know, we had Sky News playing. We had Only Fools and Horses on on one of the other tellies. You know, the standard stuff that you'd expect from a from a from an English bar in Magaluf. And uh, this was say probably towards the end of of, of March, I think it was, and. Um, the second Iraq war kicked off um, and I was watching the news and we were, I was watching the ultimately the UK advance into, into, into Iraq. And it was 4-2 commando who of course I'd been with up until December the previous year. And I saw some of the guys that I'd been saying my goodbyes to on December 5th, getting off the planes, you know, carrying GPMGs and rifles with Bergens on their back. And that was you, wasn't it? ammunition. Absolutely the full bit. And I kind of looked at it and I was like, Jesus, you know, what, what, what have I done? What, what have I done? What have I, what, what have I done here? You know, and, and I think, you know, there, there, 
I, I suppose people listening to this would say, well, why didn't you just kind of sign up and go back in? Why, why, why didn't you sign up and go back into the military? Um, it wasn't as easy as that. I'd kind of made the decision. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to just kind of turn it and around and go back in. I'd kind of made my decision. And although I was still struggling with the idea of whether it was a good decision or not, you know, sort of physically and, and, and mentally at that time, I really wasn't in a very good place. So I was certainly not in a position to go back in and to be able to offer anything, you know, much in, in support of that, in support of that, um, yeah. that war that was being fought in. But what it did do is it kind of snapped me into action insofar as you can do better than what you're doing now. You've got yourself into a real rut here, Matt. But you need to remember that you're a former Royal Marine, you're a former King's Badgeman. Look at yourself, what you were doing a year ago. Look at what you were doing, you know, a few months ago. How have you allowed it? How have you allowed it to come to this? So that kind of snapped me, you know, sort of out of that, that, that stage of, of my life that Your I was in. Your pride had gone, hadn't it? I mean, yeah, it had. It had. Yeah. My pride, my pride had gone. Um, and and I just sort of had to, to 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 look at it, you know, kind of critical path analysis almost. What do I need to do to get right? So I was like, well, I need to get back to the UK. I need to find myself work. I need to get myself, you know, on the on the on the straight and narrow, as it were. You know, and I had a girlfriend at this time as well. She was back in the UK, but I'd I'd, I'd met a girl over the Christmas period in in Clacton. I was on a night out with um, with Dad, um, and he'd gone home early. I'd stayed out, and I'd sort of met this girl, and um, you know, I'd been with her for for a couple of months. Um, and I knew that she was at home as as, as well. Um, so I I, I I I got together enough money to pay for a flight back, uh, an EasyJet flight back from from Mallorca back to Stansted, and then just enough money to get my uh, train ticket from Stansted back to to Clacton. So got got back there, um, and again soon became pretty apparent that. You know, if I wanted work, I was going to have to get closer to to, to London. Um, if I if I wanted to start building a new career for myself, I was going to have to be closer to London where there'd be more work. And during my 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 time in the military, my my mum and my stepdad and my sister by this time had moved to Harlow because my mum's parents, my grandparents, yeah. had always lived in Harlow, so they'd moved there because obviously my mum wanted to care for her mum in later stages of life. So um, so I I picked up the phone to to my mum and said. Um, can I just come and keep on your couch for a couple of months while I, while I, you know, get myself some work, get myself sorted. And she said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I moved in with, with, uh, with my mum, with my, my, my stepdad, Duncan, and my, my little sister, Sophie, um, and quickly found work. And again, this whole sort of swallowing pride piece, remembering, of course, being a Royal Marine, I was like, well, what kind of work am I going to go into? What qualifications have I got? What do I know how to do? Well, I didn't really have any formal qualifications, but by by this stage, having you know, sort of have have had a, a you know a, a sort of fix on what I wanted to do, you know, I, I had discipline, I had integrity, I had diligence, I was I was smart, um, you know, I was I was you know I, I knew I could do a good job. I had you know clearly good leadership qualities, yeah. a lot of things that I knew could be um, you know useful to an employer. So. Um, I kind of went flicking through the job boards and stuff and thought, well, you know, sort of security, an area of security is going to be probably the the, the sort of de facto option for me here. So um, I got a job just with a tiny little 
company working out of Harlow, um, a man guarding company that were providing security to um, to, a, to to a warehouse there, to a to a Comet XL warehouse, you know, and this wasn't you know high level security stuff. It was checking the backs of delivery vans. It was doing patrols around the perimeter. It was checking the warehouse. It was you know yeah. searching delivery drivers. You know nothing nothing too. Um, you know, nothing too high tech. Um, but it was a start and I was starting to earn money again. I was starting to get a little bit of pride back knowing that I was, you know, actually doing something as opposed to being in this kind of, this, this sort of spiral that I was in um, previously. Um, and by this stage as well, you know, the, the, my relationship with my girlfriend at that time has started developing as well. She, um, we'd, we'd got enough money together to be able to rent a place out in, in Harlow. So we'd kind of moved into, to, in together. Um, and interesting how other jobs come from sort of referral and recommendation and stuff. She'd started doing some temping work at uh, GlaxoSmithKline in, in Harlow. And just in conversation, passing conversation with, with one of the security team members there, you know, she'd said, Oh, my, my, my boyfriend works in security, you know, and he's a, he's a, former Royal Marine are you looking for for work because she knew that I was on yeah. the lookout for something a bit better and this guy said yeah sure you know we'll get in touch so um they did get in touch with me and I I, I got a job at um at GSK and this was then I suppose another step up and made it um you know there, there, there was that sort of building of pride even more because you know it wasn't just a warehouse that I was protecting you know this was a big global pharmaceutical giant that actually had legitimate threats against it, you know, from obviously animal rights protesters, environmental campaigners, you know, protecting their intellectual property, that type of thing. You know, they had legitimate threats against them. So I felt like I was making a difference. Um, And, you know, quickly started establishing myself in the security team there. Um, you know, and just these these sort of qualities started coming out again. Um, you know that 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 I'd sort of built up from my time in the military. So you know, when there was an incident on site, I would naturally take the lead, even though I wasn't in a supervisory position or anything at that time. I would naturally just kind of take the lead and give direction to people managing the incident. I would, you know, I I, I was kind of setting myself out, if you like, as as. Um, you know, a kind of senior person in the in the security team, even though I was only a security officer at the time. Um, but yeah, because of that, because of those types of situations occurring, I was then offered a promotion. And again, that's another building block, another, you know, sort of area of pride for me, sort of into a supervisory position. And I sort of felt, felt you know, sort of good about yeah, myself by this point. Um, I'd split up with my girlfriend. She, she was then my, my fiance, but it just didn't work out. You know, we, 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 you know, we just weren't right for one another. So we'd, we'd split up by this time. Um, and I'd got in contact with a guy that I'd been in the Marines with who lived in Harlow. Really, really strange. I'd actually bumped into him in the flipping checkout at Tesco's about six months previous. I was doing a shop <coughs> and I bumped into him. And I was like, Martin, what are you doing here? You know, and he's like, I live in Harlow. I was like, all oh, right, okay. So, you know, we'd been out for a couple of nights out and stuff. And then when I'd split up from um, from my fiance, I, I kind of he, he was on the lookout for someone to 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 rent a room in his in his house. So I said, yeah, you know, I got back in touch. You know, are you still looking for someone to rent your room? You know, I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to live on my mum's couch again for too long. Bless her. You know, I don't want to be an inconvenience to to to, to her to to Duncan or to to my sister. So he said, yeah, absolutely. If it's yours, then you know, it's yours if you want it. So. Um, I moved into to his spare room 
And it was a really, really good move because because Martin. I mean, I'm still mates with him now. I was best man at his wedding a few few years ago. Um, you know, he was a really good marine. You know, he'd only spent a few years in himself as well. Yeah. Um, but he was a really good marine. He was he and he was a really good guy. He's a great leveler. You know, he, he he didn't suffer fools gladly. You know, he'd call a spade a spade. Um, and he was just a really good bloke. To, to, to live with. He was achieving things. Obviously, I was starting to achieve things. And this was sort of 2006, 2007. And we just found ourselves in a, in a really good place. You know, we'd be going out. We had a good group of mates in the sort of area where he lived as well. We were sort of, you know, going out at weekends. And, and it was it was just really nice. You know, I was, you know, sort of young, free and, and single. Our mates were young, free and single. We were going out. We were having a good time in sort of Harlow and the surrounding areas. And, um, yeah, it was it, it, it was nice. And then, you know, one one thing leads to another. Before you know it, I've got another job. I'd kind of left GSK and through referral, I'd got a job um, as, a, as a security manager managing an, a, an area around sort of London and the home counties. Um, so, again, a, a, a nice promotion for me. And that gave me an opportunity because it gave me more exposure to London. Um I, I saw more, more opportunities opening up in front of me, still within the security industry. Um, so I applied for a job with a with a, a security company working out the city of London and, and, and got the job and then started working for some, you know, big, big global organisations, you know, with their, their corporate offices in, in the city of London. I'm not going to go into, you know, no, significant no. detail here, but, you know, sort of really working in security at a corporate level then and this was you know it's exciting stuff um you know it was it was it was good work it was rewarding work certainly i really felt like i was making a difference i was meeting some really interesting people obviously building my network a lot of ex-military of course working in 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 the field at the time and in that area um you know and getting involved in a lot of good things a lot of initiatives um you know joining a lot of organizations you know worshipful company a security professional security institute um asis event that type of thing um you know really doing all i could to sort of increase my my, my value in the industry so um and of course that had the great effect that you know obviously i was getting further promotions i was earning you know sort of really, really well not really really good money but you know sort of good, good money good yeah. money um you know I'd, I'd learned to drive by that time as well so i had a i had a, a, a nice car at home things were things were going really really well um and then of course that again you know the, the, the sort of cherry cherry on the cake is I, I then met I then met Emma my, my my now wife um we'd already known one another from a few years previous because she was friends and had gone to school with my my ex-fiance oh. which was uh, slightly slightly awkward um, <laughs> to start with certainly but I mean we'd been split up for a long enough time yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, before yeah. I sort of met with Emma when we got together but um but again you know a, a, a another building block you know she well, I say she was, you know, she still is to this day. You know, she is, you know, a, a great person to have by your side, um, you know, whether it was as my girlfriend or my fiancé or now my, my wife of, of 10 years. Um, you know, she really, really helped. You know, she gave me that stability at home. Obviously, you know, our relationship developed. We went on to have the kids. We got the house, um, you know, and, and, and she was... 
very, very supportive of my relationship, you know, because she could have achieved anything that she wanted as well. You know, she, she'd had a, a, a good education. She was, she was, you know, sort of in, in a good job when, when we met. But, um, you know, she'd naturally wanted to be at home with the kids anyway and be a kind of stay at home mum for a while before going back into work, enjoying the children. She knew that probably out the two of us, if there was going to be someone that was going to earn more money, it was likely to be me because of my exposure, obviously, to, to, to London and obviously where, where where I was going in the security industry. So she was really supportive of me, you know, and this included things like, you know, in, investing our money in courses for me um, because I'd obviously been in the industry for a few years by this point. Um, we'd had the Olympics in London. I'd been working for a client at the time that was quite heavily involved in the delivery of the Olympics as well. So I'd had some involvement in that. Um and my route was really wanting to go down security risk management. So I um, I invested quite a lot of money in myself in in development, in doing courses, um, and really putting qualifications behind the experiences that I'd I'd, I'd gained. Um, and again, that whole piece, making myself as, as valuable as possible to the industry, not just to potential employers, yeah. but to the industry as well. Um and I suppose now where, where would we be kind of 2015, 2016, working for a big global bank in the city of London, very much embedded with the corporate security team there. Um, you know, and this, as I say, you know, was really interesting stuff, you know, around, you know, their sort of travel risk management for their senior people going to extreme environments, you know, where they were looking at opening new offices, doing kind of assessments and analysis on that threat analysis. Obviously, we, we were starting to get some terrorist attacks occurring in, in, in London and, of course, on other interest banks, other interests around the world, you know, some really really exciting probably isn't the right word you know when you talk about terrorist attacks there's nothing exciting about them but um you know being able to get involved in those types of things and our responses to them and ultimately improving security of the bank um improving security you know within london and stuff you know i i felt like i was really giving giving something back to the industry i really felt like i was contributing um you know and this was supported by you know a very stable home life with say with with my wife and kids as well where everything was going great um it was in a really really good spot and i suppose that's that's kind of what's led on to where I am now. Um, you know, I, I now work for a a security risk management consultancy. Again, we're in the city of London. Um, can you name them? I can do, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Cornerstone Global Risk Group Limited. So, yeah, so I'd, interestingly enough, I'd used Cornerstone. I was in another role Um and my client in that role had used Cornerstone on, on a security project. Um, and as part of my role at the time, I, I engaged with the guys from, from, from Cornerstone. So the guy that went on to be is, is, is now my boss and, 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 and one of the guys in my team. I was working with them and I was like, you know, these guys, they, you know, this is different level stuff. This is, you know, they are doing a really, really good job. Um, you know, on, on, on behalf of the client, they really know their stuff. And that's, you know, that kind of came at the time and I was sort of already investing in myself and really yeah. sort of, you know, sort of embedding myself in security risk and determining that as a as a sort of career path, you know, as the career path for me. Um, and I thought, that's, that's what I want to do. You know, these guys, what they're doing is, is, is really good stuff, you know, so I want to go down the route of being a consultant. And, and 
as 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 things happen, um, I got back in touch with with um, John, who's who's the CEO of the company. I saw a couple of years later because i knew that he was on the lookout for for some new members to join his team and he um he offered me a position within cornerstone wow and it was it was fantastic it was like the the sort of culmination of all my efforts you know this was this was a great role that he was offering me um it offered me uh you know a, a level of seniority within within cornerstone it offered me the opportunity to get involved in some really really exciting projects with some very exciting clients again around the world um yeah and i did it and that's 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 what i've been doing since um since january 2001 you know i i met, I, I joined the company at the kind of latter stages of, of January the two thousand and oh two thousand and twenty one sorry yeah, two thousand no, one right. yeah January two thousand and twenty one um, you know we we were at the sort of latter stages of of the the lockdown so I kind of joined them yeah. and everything was being done sort of virtually so you know a lot, a lot of my colleagues I didn't actually get to meet for the first couple of months and it was sort of quite nice two months down the line shaking hands with someone and sort of you know we've been speaking over Real teams people. for the last couple of months it's nice to meet you in person but. Um, but that's continued, and you know he's um, well, not just John, but certainly all of us. So I'm on the I'm on the board of of, of Cornerstone. There's eight of us on the board, um, so we, you know, obviously determine the direction of the business. But um, you know, the, the the leadership of of Cornerstone has always been very aspirational. You know, they've not they've not necessarily wanted to be disruptors, but they've wanted to you know sort. Of challenge things do things differently you know there's there's a lot about the security industry in the uk that's been done because that's the way it's always been done and actually our way of of thinking about things is well do you know what there's there's other ways of doing things um you know there's other other processes there's other methodologies um you know let's not just do it because that's the way it's always been done let's you know sort of embrace technology for example let's take you know the kind of cyber threat into consideration as opposed to just you know sort of physical threats etc you know really taking a holistic approach or a unified approach as we call it within cornerstone a unified approach to security risk management yeah. so you're not just looking at a specific threat actor but you're actually looking across the whole sphere of what denotes a threat to this particular client, whether they be a bank, whether they be a data center, whether they be a food distributor, whatever the case may yeah. be, you know, taking a more holistic approach. And it's, you know, it's really appealing. It's exciting. You know, every, every day is different. It works and it's, and it's good. And, you know, and I like to think, you know, we, we have a lot of relationships with other, you know, sort of organizations within the UK. Um, I like to think that we're, we're, we're making a difference and we're doing things to make Brilliant. the UK, you know, a, a, a safer place to, to, to live and work. You know, we, we align ourselves with, with, with various standards and various other initiatives and, and governing bodies and stuff. Um, you know, and, and we make sure what we're we're doing is to the to the best of our ability, and I think that shines through. You know, we've got a fantastic client base. Um, we've got a lot of very loyal clients who are big advocates of ours because we do a job very very well. Um, yeah, and and certainly as we are at the moment, you know, we're 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 going from from strength to strength. We're a very aspirational company, and it's uh, it's, it's it's going in a very good direction. That's brilliant. So. In the mortal words of uh, Frank Sinatra, regrets, I've had a few. What, what are your regrets, Matt? I mean, the Marines played a massive part to you in your life. They've, they've formed you into the person that you are today. Yeah. But but take yourself back 20 years. Would you be having a word with yourself about coming out of the Marines? Yeah, I would do. I, I, I would do, certainly, 
but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to caveat that as well. Yes, certainly in 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 hindsight and in retrospect, I would have stayed in longer. But the caveat to that is is if I'd stayed in longer, would I be where I am now? And that's always a question, you know. And I don't just mean that from a professional perspective, no. but would I have met? Emma, would I have our, our our wonderful children? You know, it, it's 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 that it's that sort of question mark over it. Yes, I mean, you know, I do have regrets, but I don't let them define me. Certainly, um, absolutely. You know, geez, you know, I should have tried harder the first time I went to the careers office. That was a regret because I delayed my career by six months. Um, I, I I regret taking my eye off the ball and focusing on my my girlfriend at the time as opposed to my career in the Royal Marines. Yes, of course, that's a that's a regret. Um, I regret coming out of the Royal Marines, of course, because who knows where that could have gone, what I could yeah. have achieved, what you know, what where 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 that may have gone. Absolutely. I regret not having invested in myself sooner, although my 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 career is is has has achieved a level of success and I hope certainly more success going future, uh, going into the future. Um but I, I regret having not done more courses and more development sooner. Uh, you know, should bear in mind, and again, back to this kind of between 2005 and, and sort of 2007, 2008 period, I was just kind of close. I was, you know, I was, I was getting promotions and, and, and stuff. And as I say, I was, I was leading a good life, you know, sort of having that spare room at Martin's house and stuff. But, you know, I could have done more, which would have then sped up my career, you know, go, going further forward. Um, you know, I was kind of coasting at the time with work. Yes, I was doing a good job. I was getting, you know, sort of promotions and stuff. Um, but it was very much, you know, not, not it wasn't going as fast as it, it could have done. I, I probably could have, <laughs> and again, not wanting to, to sort of blow smoke up my backside or anything, but I, I could have achieved what I've, achieve now maybe sort of five years sooner if you like you know i could have i could i could have helped myself a bit more and invested in myself a bit quicker than 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 i did um you know that kind of realization dawned on me in the you know sort of 2013 2014 that you know your employer is only going to invest so much in you you know they'll provide you with the courses that they need you to do that's beneficial to their organization but if you want to do something else you know you've got to you've got to invest in yourself it took, took, took me a little while to to kind of understand that or to really grasp that so you know i was a little bit slow off the mark on that so again, not necessarily a regret but maybe i you know you could have done that a bit faster yeah. but hey you know geez i'm you know 43 <laughs> years old you know there's there's still a whole nother you you've know, still got time, mate. I've still got a long old time, and as I say, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly um, in a in a good place at the moment with with personal life, with professional life. It's, um, it's, it's, it's in a good place. Good man. Well, look, Matt, you're my cousin. I love you lots, and uh, I'm grateful for your candor, and we're very proud of what you've done, mate. Cheers, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.